If you could all make your way back to your seats, we're going to get started. Thank you so much for making your way back to your seats. I'm really thankful that you all had the opportunity to hear from my friend Doug Hayes this morning, who goes to our sister church, Covenant Fellowship Church. Doug runs an organization called Covenant Mercies, which is a mercy ministry flowing out from Covenant Fellowship, but really blesses all of us in our partnership in the gospel and our family of churches, Sovereign Grace Churches. And so I'm so thankful for Doug. Through the years, he has been an example of what James chapter 1 calls us to in James 1, 26 through 27. And this verse will be familiar to those who have been studying the word in the book of James with Nate Madison and the Bible study that meets Sundays after church. James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 says this, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. I'm really looking forward to you getting to hear from Doug and his heart for Jesus and also for the world. And so can we welcome Doug Hayes as he comes to bring God's word to us this morning? Did I just, okay, there it is. <laughs> Good morning. If you would turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 14. And while you're turning there, I should probably tell you I'm, I'm not an architect, um, but I just, I do play one on TV. Uh, so, seriously, I am a pastor at Covenant Fellowship Church, as, as uh, CB just said, and nearly 100% of my role at Covenant Fellowship is to lead a separate organization we've established called Covenant Mercies. If you've been a member here for a while, you've probably heard of Covenant Mercies. You you may remember the other times I've I've been in. Um, if not, you'll hear more about Covenant Mercies on the on the back end of uh, this this message this morning. Um, the ministry is 17 years old now. We established it in in uh, 2002. And the centerpiece of our ministry is what we call the Orphan Sponsorship Program. Um, we now have sponsors for over 1,400 children in Uganda, Ethiopia, and Zambia. Uh, and I know that many of you are a part of that already. So um, I hope that you will hear me just gush my gratitude for your participation and as we reflect from God's Word on, on what our motivation is for caring for orphans and widows, as CB just called us to already from James 127. Uh, we're going to reflect this morning on Jesus's words from Luke chapter 14. So if you're with me there, we'll begin reading in verse 12. And just to set the scene, Jesus is sitting at the table of a Pharisee in the home of a Pharisee as he says these words. Verse 12, he being Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. 
lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Lord, would you bless the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, purify my heart and help me to preach with clarity, with boldness, and a spirit of worship toward you and love for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we all know what it feels like to receive a kindness that seems to have strings attached. Uh, The proverbial apple on the teacher's desk is rarely a gift of pure generosity, right? Um, We used to have these guys in Philadelphia. I don't know if you uh, would remember this, or I'm pretty sure that they've outlawed this practice now because I never see it anymore. But you used to stop at certain traffic lights in Philadelphia, and immediately there'd be a swarm of guys who'd start squeegeeing or putting uh, washer fluid on your windshield. And, um, you know, of course... They'd wash your window, and then they would expect something in return. Um, Some of them got really good at sort of starting the job and then waiting to finish to see whether they were going to get something for it. Um, There are certain types of generosity. You might think if you're from out of town, oh, wow, isn't this nice? They wash your windows in Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. Um, But in, in truth, there are certain forms of generosity that you can almost feel like you'd need to be on your guard against because they're really nothing more than thinly veiled attempts to obligate us to do something in return. Well, this reciprocity ethic, this idea that I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine, was very strong in the Greco-Roman world that Jesus lived in, very strong in Jewish society at that time as well. And so as Jesus sits at the table of this Pharisee, he knows well the mindset that he's addressing. One would be generous toward others in order to elicit a similar generosity in return. And conversely, if someone expressed a kindness or, or some kind of, some form of generosity to you, you would feel an obligation, even a moral, ethical obligation to reciprocate. Now, this reciprocity ethic may not be quite so strong, not quite so explicit in our own culture, in our own way of thinking today, but it's undeniably right there beneath the surface in almost all of our personal and social interactions. If we're honest, we have to admit that there's very little we do in life that isn't somehow motivated by our own self-interest. Now, on certain levels, that's okay. Um, That's not always wrong. Uh, The goal of reciprocity is not inherently evil or impure. Uh, In business, for example, mutual satisfaction is the highest goal, right? If I am happy to part with X number of dollars in order to receive a service or a good that you're providing, that you're also happy to provide for that amount of money, that, that actually is the ideal business transaction. If it sounds like an endorsement of the free market Uh, principles, it is, but that's not my point. Um, My point is simply to say that reciprocity, the goal of reciprocity, is not inherently wrong or evil. However, as, as he always does, Jesus comes to us here with some very good questions that probe beneath the surface and probe into the depths of our hearts and our motivations. He pushes us beyond these natural human tendencies. 
And Jesus calls us here to a selfless love that expends itself for others without regard for what they can do for us in return. I think you know that doesn't come naturally to us. In our sinful nature, we are bent toward doing things that are in our own self-interest and against doing things that really have no personal benefit to us. So against the grain of his own ancient culture, against the grain of our culture today, against the grain of our natural human tendencies and our sinful nature, Jesus calls us here and teaches us that true generosity goes beyond the bounds of reciprocity. In fact, one of the defining characteristics of love that is truly Christian love is its intentional focus on those who can do nothing to repay it. Jesus says, you want to know whether your love is truly Christian love? Love those who can't love you in return. You want to know whether your generosity is like that of your Father in heaven? Give to those who can give nothing to you in return. This is generosity in its purest form, and Jesus wants to be sure that it's a present and visible trait in the lives of his disciples. And so with the, with the balance of our sermon time, before we shift to talking about the ministry of covenant mercies, I just want to make two observations about this generosity that Jesus commends to us. Two things that stand out about this generosity. Number one, it takes selfless Christ-like initiative. This generosity takes selfless Christ-like initiative. Now, contrary to the way that Jesus' words may sound to us at face value, he's not forbidding us from having our friends over. He's not forbidding us for, from being generous toward our families and those who are close to us. In fact, if, if you know your Bible, you would be able to immediately think of a few scriptures you'd be violating if you just ignored your family and your loved ones. Jesus is not calling us to ignore those scriptures. Remember, he's at the table of a Pharisee. He knows what their practices are. He knows what our human tendencies are that we've just been talking about. And so he's using strong language here to jar us out of our complacency, to jar us out of our comfort zone, and to make an important point. So what point is Jesus making? Well, he's saying that as God's people, our generosity shouldn't be limited to that which is normal. Uh, it's normal to be generous to those who can return the favor to us somehow. It's normal. It's natural. As disciples of Christ, we're called to take generous initiative toward those who can't do anything to repay us. Listen, specifically because they can't do anything to repay us. I love the way Jesus explains the reason why we shouldn't invite our friends, our neighbors, our, I mean, our, our friends, our family, uh, the rich in our relational networks who might be able to return the favor to us. Um, he says, don't invite those people, quote, lest they also invite you and you be repaid. If you're like me, you might be thinking, oh, oh, yeah, I understand the logic. That would be a tragedy. Uh, that would be a tragedy to invite Carson Wentz and his new wife over to my home for dinner and, and get an invitation to their place in return. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand, Jesus. Um, no, Jesus is not saying that would be a tragedy. In fact, that would be pretty awesome. Um, what Jesus is saying is that's the way the world thinks. That's the way the world operates. If your generosity remains only within those bounds, what difference really has the grace of God made? 
Verses 13 and 14, he says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Why? Why will you be blessed? Because they cannot repay you. Notice, he doesn't say you'll be blessed despite the fact that they can't repay you, even though they can't repay you. No, he says you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you. There's a cause-effect relationship here. The blessing for you is the direct result of the fact that you have selected as the object of your generosity those who cannot return the favor. As we take initiative toward those who can't repay us, specifically because they can't repay us, Jesus promises that God will repay us for that very same reason. And this, Jesus says, is one of the things that ought to characterize us as Christians. It ought to distinguish us from the world. This is a characteristic of Christian love that differentiates Christian love from love that we might think of as natural and normal. Uh, Earlier in Luke's gospel, in fact, let's turn back uh, several pages to Luke chapter 6. Earlier in Luke's gospel, Jesus spoke in very similar terms when he was speaking of love for enemies. If you're with me in Luke chapter 6, I'm going to begin reading in verse 32. Jesus says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Isn't that amazing? How do we demonstrate that we are sons and daughters of the Most High? Well, it's not by doing exactly the same things that would be natural and normal even apart from faith. As Jesus would say, what what credit is that to you? What credit is that to you? How does that distinguish you from the world? The world neglects to show love to those who can do nothing to repay it. Jesus says, not so with you, not so with us. We demonstrate that we are children of our Father in heaven and disciples of his Son, Jesus, by taking initiative where it wouldn't be normal, where it wouldn't be natural for us to do so, by loving even our enemies and intentionally ensuring that our generosity extends to those who can do nothing to repay us. Now let's, let's bring the scene back to our Pharisee's table in, in chapter 14. Um, there's a most profound accent that's placed on Jesus' exhortation in this simple fact. And it's a fact that goes right over the head of his original hearers, the ones sitting around that table, but we shouldn't allow it to go over our head. And that's this. The one who is sitting at this table and addressing them is himself God incarnate. He's sitting at this table because he didn't didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself, took on the form of a man, 
took on the nature of a servant and came to earth to even give his life, even suffering death on a cross. All for people who could do nothing to repay his sacrifice. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, it's one thing it's very important for you to understand. You don't come to Jesus as a way of repaying God, repaying God for the wrongs that you've done, or repaying God for the kindnesses that he's shown you. You come to Jesus as an act of faith, believing that his death on the cross is sufficient to cover the penalty for your sins and restore your relationship with God. For those of us who are already in a position of faith this morning, I I trust you see the rich gospel truth that's bound up in what Jesus is calling us to here. Be merciful. Why? Not just because it's nice, it's good to be merciful. Be merciful as your heavenly Father is merciful. Take initiative toward those who can do nothing to repay you. Lavish them with love and generosity because that's exactly what Jesus did when he left the glories of heaven, the riches of of his eternal relationship with the Father and the Spirit and came to earth to seek and save lost sinners like you and me. The generosity Jesus commends us, commends to us here takes selfless Christ-like initiative toward those who could do nothing to repay it. Well, secondly, this generosity is driven by faith. It's driven by faith. Notice, even as Jesus calls us here to a generosity that's not self-interested, he simultaneously lifts our eyes to a reward, a personal reward that can only be seen through the eyes of faith. Again, reading in verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Amazingly, as we put off this human tendency to be motivated by the things of this world, to be motivated by our own self-interest in an earthly sense, And take initiative toward those who could do nothing to repay us in this life. Jesus promises us that we will be rewarded in eternity. And we we embrace this reward by faith. By trusting simply that what Jesus says to us here is rock solid truth. If whatever we sacrifice from our bank accounts in this life. For those who could do nothing to repay us. Will accrue to our account. In eternity. This is the, the beautiful and glorious paradox of giving in, in the kingdom of God. It is a sacrifice to give. Okay, we shouldn't pretend that it's not a sacrifice. It is a sacrifice to give toward those who can't repay you. It will cost you something. It will cost you the ability to use those same resources for some other purpose that can benefit you more in the here and now. But... When we consider that very real sacrifice in light of the eternal reward Jesus promises us here, it's really no sacrifice at all. In fact, it's an investment. It's better thought of as an investment. And you cannot make a more secure investment than this. 
Now, there are many ways that we sacrifice in this life. You've probably thought about this. There are many ways we sacrifice in the short term in order to uh, gain something in the long term. Uh, I happen to be a gardener. I love this time of year, even though it's sweaty hot right now. All the fruits of the garden are, are coming in. And uh, a few years ago, I actually decided to, to start thinking a little more about perennial bushes. We've got about an acre in our uh, kind of spread out neighborhood, and I... I started thinking, I really want to grow blueberry bushes. So I started doing all the research, and blueberries are a little bit finicky about their soil. They want an acidic soil, so I basically had to replace all the soil where I was planting, and they they have shallow roots, so you need to keep some mulch on top of that and keep uh, improving the acidity of the soil as you go along. There are many things to, to study up on. Well, one of the things I learned is that in the first three years of growing these brand-new baby bushes, you should pinch the blossoms. Off of them. Now, if you don't know, the blossoms are what uh, become the berries after the bees come and do their uh, amazing work. So, um, so you're pinching the the blossoms. You're, you're saying, "I'm not getting any berries this year." But what you're doing is you're telling that plant, "Put all your energy into growing strong root system. Put all your energy into growing a firm base, and then we'll enjoy the fruits of that later." Well, I have to tell you, the first couple of years it wasn't too hard. That third season when I was pinching those blossoms, it was hard for me to do because we've been into this for a while now. I want to start enjoying the fruit of this. And I could have had a few handfuls of berries that season. But you know what? I pinched those blossoms in view of a future harvest that I would enjoy later. And by the way, I'm enjoying it now. I I picked baskets full just last week. Um, Listen, what Jesus is asking us here is, do you want to be satisfied with a handful of blueberries now? Or will you believe me that what you sacrifice now will accrue to your reward later and will result in a future harvest that you cannot even fathom? Well, this is a reward that can only be seen by faith. It can only be embraced by faith. And God is pleased. I, I, I believe he's uniquely glorified. When we just believe that what he's saying to us is true and we live our lives in light of this reality, when we fix our eyes, not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Jesus is lifting our eyes to that eternal unseen reward, which though unseen is every bit as real as the tangible sacrifice, only far more lasting. Several years ago, uh, I became aware of a couple in our church who were sponsoring seven children. Um, just happened to be in our sponsorship database. I stumbled upon um, this information and was surprised to see, wow, this couple sponsoring seven children. Now, what, what surprised me about that wasn't necessarily the number seven. I mean, that's a really nice number, and, and it's wonderful to think about seven children whose lives are being transformed. Uh, because of this this couple's generosity. But what amazed me the most was not that number, but the fact that I happen to know these folks, and I know that they just live a very normal middle-class life. They are not wealthy by American standards by any stretch of the imagination. So when I noticed that, I just said, man, now that I have this information, i got to drop them a note of thanks and just just thank them for giving in that way toward this number of children. Well, sometime later, I, I bumped into them after they had received the note, and so we, we talked about it a little bit. And I came to understand that they sponsored, when, when our sponsorship program was launched back in 2003, they were part of the church, and they signed up for one or two children at that time. 
And then, just as a normal practice through the years, each time the husband of this family received a raise, they just added another child. And they just said, well, based, based on the principle that the Lord provided for us well last year with the income that I had last year, uh, let's share a little bit of this increase with someone else who needs it. Uh, later, this same couple uh, decided to start giving a monthly a gift to our general fund because to our sponsor, our sponsorship is really a one-to-one correlation with that child. We don't draw from those, uh, those funds to work on other projects that you'll be hearing about later. So they were inspired to start giving to the general fund as well to support projects like building schools and, and things like that. By the way, before I, since I gave this message several years ago, before I brought it here, I checked in the database and sure enough, they're sponsoring 11 children now. So this, this couple has just continued with this practice. Now these are not people of significant means. The, the sacrifice they're making is real. They could be doing other things with those funds to enhance, to improve their own standard of living. And you know what? Nobody would know the difference. Nobody would look at them and say, ah, oh, they're, they're, they're living such an ostentatious lifestyle. But this is a couple whose eyes are fixed, not on the things that are seen, but on the things that are unseen. They are sacrificing now that handful of blueberries, those things that they could enjoy right now, in order to preserve a reward that is being kept in heaven for them, where moth and rust will not steal, where, th- uh, where moth and rust will not destroy, where thieves will not break in and steal. This is a reality that I want to live my life in light of, and I know you do as well. Now, when I think of Jesus' exhortation here to be generous toward those who can do nothing to repay us, I can't help but think of the children in our orphan sponsorship program. Um, And if you're sponsoring children through this program, this is where I just really want you to feel my gratitude and even speaking on their behalf their gratitude. Um, It is nearly impossible that these kids will ever be able to do anything to repay you. That's exactly the kind of generosity that Jesus is commending to us in this passage. It's precisely this kind of generosity that he promises to repay at the resurrection of the just. I imagine one of the ways the Lord might reward us is by allowing us in eternity, to see, to to know, to meet some of those people whose lives were affected by our generosity that we never would have known about in this life. Imagine when you're standing before the Lord, and this we know will happen, and, and he says to us, enter into your rest, for when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you visited me. And we'll say, Lord, when do we see you hungry? When do we see you naked? When do we see you sick and visit you? And he'll he'll say, even as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And I just imagine, this is just my imagination, but I just imagine that Jesus might in that moment pull up a young lady by his side and say, this is Calcidon. She was born with HIV. She would have died of AIDS. Except you sponsored her. You gave her access to the medical care that she needed. So her life was preserved. And this brought a, a lady named Helena into her life, and Helena shared the gospel with her. Calcidon is here today because you gave when she could do nothing to repay you. Or maybe he'll pull up a young man named Charles 
And so this is Charles. He, he went to Lighthouse Christian School in Zambia. When he was a student at Lighthouse, he went to a VBS. And even as a young child, he placed his faith in Christ. As he grew up, he had the opportunity to go to university and become a school teacher. And then he invested his life into influencing the lives of so many other young people. Charles is here today, all because you invested into him when there was nothing he could do to repay you. Folks, think about the ripple effects throughout eternity. Think of the the children and grandchildren, the future children and grandchildren of our sponsored children of today who will know the love of Jesus shared to them by their mother, by their father, by their grandparent, because someone shared it with them when they were just a little child running around the community with no parents. Think of all the lives that will be touched through the lives that we're touching. I believe that part of the reward, part of our reward that, that Jesus promises us here will be the joy of seeing with the eyes of eternity the full glorious impact of our acts of kindness and generosity in this life. Now, right now, it takes the eyes of faith to see that. And I couldn't be more grateful for the faith that God has given so many sponsors through the years who have invested generously into lives of, of nearly 1,400 children presently under sponsorship. I'm going to turn the corner now and just begin updating you on the Ministry of Covenant Mercies. Um, as, as many of you would know, our, our sponsorship program keeps children within their extended families. So the children who are part of our orphan sponsorship program have at least lost their father. Many of them have lost both father and mother. And then we build partnerships with churches on the ground in their community. And again, we're working in Uganda, Ethiopia, and Zambia right now. Um, And these brothers and sisters walk out this ministry in their lives. They bring the love of Jesus in practical ways into the lives of these children in their own communities. Uh, and as some of you may know, we have four program areas, including Ndola, Zambia, where, where Lighthouse Christian School. I think I must have uh, given you a big update on Lighthouse the last time I was here. Um, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, the big capital city of Ethiopia. And then we have two locations in Uganda, one in the far eastern part of the country near the Kenyan border and uh, the other in a rural western village called Kibora. Um, now, I'm going to talk a little bit about Kibora because we're, uh, we're building a school project there that I'll, I'll tell you about in just a moment. But most of the people in Kibora live uh, off the land. They subsist off the land. They, they really live a subsistence lifestyle, living in small mud houses like this one. Um, and they have very little safety net when tragedy strikes in their lives. So when HIV AIDS ravaged this area of Sub-Saharan Africa in the 1980s and 90s, families were just left to pick up the pieces. Families who were living in very spare conditions in the first place. Uh, And so when we first began working there in the early 2000s, we found elderly grandparents taking care of numerous grandchildren with very little resources to do it. We found widows left behind uh, to care for their children. Many times widows who lost their husband to AIDS and who were suffering themselves from the effect of HIV in their own bodies. Now, during my last visit with you, I'm, I'm sure you all remember everything I talked about, um, including a young lady named Bridget. I, I told the story last time I did check my notes of a young lady named Bridget. I'm going to reference her story again because there's an, 
a very happy update, and, and she's also from this town of Kibura. Um, Bridget, who enrolled in our sponsorship program in 2008, shortly after the loss of her father, um, really fits that description that I just described to you. When we first met her at the age of 11, uh, her family fit much of that profile. Her father had recently, recently died of AIDS. Her mother, now the sole provider for Bridget and her brother, was also suffering from HIV. Now, with these seemingly insurmountable circumstances facing, facing her, Bridget says, now of that time in her life, she says, quote, I felt hopeless. I started to feel self-hatred and no hope for the future. Now, Bridget, like so many of the kids in our program, was trapped in a cycle of poverty, illness and lack of resources within her family, no job skills, poor nutrition, uh, lack of access to education. All of these circumstances were conspiring to keep Bridget and her brother and her mother trapped in this cycle that, that tends to just go from one generation to the next. Well, through the hard work of our team in Kibora, we were able to connect Bridget's mother to a life-sustaining treatment for her HIV-AIDS, which she continues to benefit from today. So the, the, the happy side of this story is that this mother has been kept alive and this family unit remains intact. Uh, as a result as well, Bridget was able to really focus on her studies through the years and she excelled as a student throughout her school years. Now we'll come back to Bridget's story a little bit later. Um, but because of children like Bridget, we established Covenant Mercies back in 2002. By God's grace, uh, we now have over 1,400 children who are receiving basic uh, nutritional, medical, and educational care. And again, carried out through local indigenous partners who can bring the, the, the love of Christ to these children in their own communities in Jesus' name. And we believe that our children have great potential because they've been made in the image and likeness of God. And he has a purpose for their lives. And so the way we describe our aim for them is that we are aiming to restore them to everything God has created them to be. Uh, now, if, if we're aiming to do that, if we're aiming to restore our children to becoming everything God has created them to be, everything that he's, all the potential that he's placed within them as people made in his image, if we're going to succeed in that mission and help our children develop in that way, education will obviously be a tremendous tool in our tool belts. It's not only the uh, primary thing that keeps those cycles going when children lack the ability to continue with education. It's one of the obstacles that they face, but it's also a wonderful opportunity for us to invest in them. Uh, and, and so uh, many of you know that we've been working with Lighthouse Christian School in Zambia now for 13 years. It's hard to believe it's been that long. And through the years, we've developed the campus as well as uh, sending numerous children there. So these are uh, our two school buildings that we've built and the campus is just developing beautifully. We have over 290 sponsored kids who are receiving quality Christian education year after year on this beautiful campus, uh, which we've continued to expand and improve over time. In fact, uh, next year we're going to be, Lord willing, launching into the next building uh, in that campus as it continues to expand. Well, we've been so pleased with the good fruit that's come from our, our partnership with Lighthouse. Uh, and I think, has Will Broad preached here? No? Okay. Okay. Oh, CB's been there. Um, CB knows Wilbrod Chanda, who leads the partner church, and Wilbrod and his wife, Zicky, are the ones who established Lighthouse Christian School. Um, but this has become such a wonderful 
um, success story for us, that it's really a model that we're looking to replicate in other areas where we have the possibility, where we have the capacity to do a similar thing. And that's one of the reasons we were eager a couple of years ago to begin exploring with uh, our partner church in western Uganda, in Kibura, the town that Bridget comes from, uh, about the possibility of establishing a primary school there. Well, I'm thrilled to announce, and if you're a sponsor, you, you hopefully would have received this news electronically. Um, but this past March, we broke ground on this new school project in the village of Kibora. Uh, you're looking at a brown, groundbreaking photo here. That's the guy with the big smile on his face to the far right there is Moses Nkwatsibwe. He's the, the pastor of our partner church there. Uh, that's a number of uh, members of the team behind him there. And on the other side is the, the construction manager. Um, Lord willing, Hope Community Primary School will launch operations next February. Uganda's school year begins in February each year, so that's the 2020 school year, um, where we plan to welcome three grades, pre-K, kindergarten, and grade one. And then what we'll, what we'll plan to do, Lord willing, is just add one new grade each year so we can grow the school gradually uh, at, a, at a, meaning, uh, a sustainable pace and basically, this year's first graders become next year's second graders. Next year's second graders become the following year's third graders. And so eventually, uh, we, we pray by 2026, the school will continuously be serving hundreds of children in pre-K through grade 7 to provide them with quality Christian education. This is exactly how we grew Lighthouse Christian School through the years as well. Um, well... Last year, in preparation for this project, we joined hands with a, a great Christian ministry in Uganda called EMI. It's a, a team of engineers who worked with us to develop the site plan. And so we've got a brief video now that I'd like to show you, uh, just to, to show you what we're planning for the school over the next several years. Amen. If it would help these images to be seen, I I think I'll be fine with the lights off, so your, your call. If not, I'll find my old man glasses. Um, I'm a grandpa as of this year, by the way. <laughs> um, well, I, I had the opportunity to be out in Uganda last month, and uh, we excited to see the progress on the school campus. In fact, uh, having you know looked at that uh, site plan so many times and then rolling into town and seeing it start to come to fruition was really excited. So there you see the first classroom building that's well underway toward being built. We've got a, a second uh, right there where those fences are. They're, they're digging for to pour the slab there. By the way, uh, we're planning to take a construction team this December, just after Thanksgiving, the first couple weeks of December, hopefully um, you know, getting home before all the Christmas festivities really uh, swing into play. I think we would have sent uh, this info to CB. If there's anyone who's interested in um, in being part of that, grab me afterwards, or we can uh, we can send you application information if you're interested in that. Um, this first phase of construction, uh, there's these first several buildings that'll include the capacity for six classes. So it'll give us a few years before we need to jump into phase two. Um, phase one is costing us around $250,000. By God's grace, we raised around 200 of that before we even broke ground. And so we're just working on raising that final $50,000 to conclude this project. 
um, that as we as we build this school and as we develop it, um, we'll also be aiming to fill those classrooms with sponsored students who otherwise may not be able to receive an education at all. So on the display in the back, this uh, after we're finished today, there are numerous children um, who are in need of sponsors at present, and a, a healthy percentage of them are from Kibora, so they would be children who would go to this school. And if you're interested in, in being directed toward one of those children, I'd be happy to help you find them. Um, we have around 25 children uh, who are in need of sponsorship that I brought with me today. Um, now, think about this. Left alone, most of these children would not even be able to attend school. Um, as you could see in in the video there, just briefly, it, it's it's not an uncommon sight to see a hundred children under a tree trying to get an education from one teacher. So even those who could go to school uh, may not be getting a, a high quality education depending on what area they live in. Well, 17 years after our humble beginnings in Covenant Mercies, we now have dozens of children graduating from our program every year. And even more amazing, we have an increasing number of them who are envisioned and equipped to take the next step, even pursuing higher education, uh, if those uh, funds can be provided to send them to school. So a few years ago, in 2016, we established the Mapalo Scholarship Fund for Higher Education, which awards college scholarships to qualifying graduates of our sponsorship program. Uh, Mapalo is a Bemba word. Bemba is the language we speak in, in the area of Zambia where we're working. Uh, Mapalo is a Bemba word that means blessing. Um, and earlier this spring, our Mapalo Scholarship Committee awarded seven new students with scholarships. So we're up to 19 students now that have received scholarships through the Mapalo Fund uh, over the last few years. Um, two of our Mapalo students are actually uh, graduates now of university studies and, and have come back to work for Covenant Mercies. They recently graduated and decided they want to invest their skills back into the children in their home communities. So we have Alex, uh, who graduated with a degree in accounting, and we, we hired him for an accounting position in our Eastern Uganda program, and then Premise studied social work, and we hired him to be our newest uh, social worker on our team in the Kibora program where he comes from. I think the next photo you'll see, you'll see Premis. That's him in the purple shirt there with the big smile in the front. So he is a sponsorship program grad, now a university grad through the Mapalo Fund who is able to join our team and invest his life into the children in our program. Um, now, I want to bring it back to Bridget. You remember young Bridget that we talked about earlier. And you remember the hopelessness that she spoke of from that time in her life shortly after she had lost her father. Well, in 2015, Bridget responded to the gospel through the outreach of Pastor Moses in Kwatsibwe, uh, our, our program coordinator there in western Uganda. And she says of that day, um, these are her words, she said, my special, my special thanks go to Pastor Moses for having shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with me and led me to salvation on Wednesday, December 16th, 2015. That I will never forget. Thank you for leading my life into long-lasting joy. I have seen God's great hand at work as my, perfect, my protector, my provider, and my hope day by day. Well, Bridget is also one of those 
kids whose unimaginable dream of going on to university has come true uh, through the Mapalo Scholarship Fund. And just this past month, Bridget graduated from Chambogo University in uh, Kampala with a Bachelor of Arts in Education. There she is in front of the, the sign, looking, uh, looking very proud. Um, here's what Bridget wrote to us just a few weeks ago, uh, reflecting upon what the Lord has done in her life. Um, she said, I'm most thankful to God for having carried me throughout my course of study Ever since I joined primary school up to where I am now, and most especially now that I'm about to attain my bachelor's degree, I really owe all my progress to the Almighty God because it's been Him since day one. I have learned that He is very able and His plans are far better than my own understanding because I never had dreamt that at one time I would also reach this far in my academic journey. Being a Mapalo Scholarship recipient makes me feel proud always as I rejoice in God's favorable plans for my life. This is because I've grown up in a society where most children, especially the orphans, do not get a chance to proceed with their studies after primary level, that's elementary school, due to financial challenges. However, with the help of Covenant Mercies and the Apollo Scholarship, I've managed to proceed with my studies up to where I am now. Indeed, Covenant Mercies has been a blessing to me and my family as a whole. Brothers and sisters, Jesus calls us to be generous toward those who can do nothing for us in return. Now, there are many ways that you can apply that word, and I am not here to suggest to you this morning that the only way to do that is by joining hands with Covenant Mercies in our work. However, I want to invite you to consider joining hands with us in this work and influencing the lives of young people like Bridget through our partners on the ground in these countries. Um, your sponsorship mobilizes uh, partners like Moses and Kwatsibwe to go and share the gospel with students like Bridget and see them come to faith in Christ. Um, it, it puts our local partners into action on behalf of your child. Um, your investment into the school project that you've just heard about um, enables our children to, to have a Monday through Friday context where they can receive not only high-quality education, but we, where we have an opportunity to influence their lives that much more for the gospel and even influence their character development through the years, which will be so important for them. Years down the road, after uh, after we've invested into their lives, we expect to see many more of them taking their place in society as influencers in their families, influencers in their churches, influencers in their communities. And I just imagine those ripple effects that we were talking about earlier that will go all the way through into eternity. Um, I hope you'll stop by the table in the back. You can't miss it there. We have those uh, profiles of children who are in need of sponsors right now. I'd love to talk to you, love to answer any questions that you may have about our program or how it works or any ways that you can get involved. I also want to invite you to participate in the Run Far Challenge on October 19th, and I've gotten permission to really taunt John Reyes um, because he can't beat me. And um, <laughs> Run Far is a 5K. Uh, this, is a, this event is a 5K on Saturday, October 19th, 
Uh, it's a little bit of a drive for you guys, but the run doesn't start till 10 a.m. So it's it's a it's a run that's put on by a um, in a nature preserve in our area. It's a trail run, and it's just a great time. We've had I think six or seven churches involved the last couple of years, competing with one another for the best times and also for the most funds raised. Um, run far is just a great opportunity for you to to go to your your neighbors, your coworkers, pe- you know, people in your families, and say, "I'm running for this cause." Um, would you like to sponsor me? And we've been amazed. It's, it's been our most effective tool for reaching out into the into our networks of relationships beyond our church relationships. So I'd encourage you um, to to make sure John gets in shape um, and uh, and consider participating in the Run Far Challenge. Uh, we'll have a strong team from Covenant Fellowship. I promise you. But listen, regardless of, of what you decide to do today in relation to Covenant Mercies, regardless of whether you decide to join hands uh, directly with us in this work, may we all be generous disciples of our generous Savior. May we all uh, ex- extend selfless, Christ-like initiative toward those who can do nothing to pay us back, knowing beyond a shadow of a doubt, that God himself will repay us at the resurrection of the just. Amen. One of the things that I love so much about Covenant Mercies is it's a gospel-centered mercy ministry out from our family of churches and Sovereign Grace churches through our sister church covenant fellowship. And so I'm so thankful to be able to invest um, into such a ministry. My wife, Shannon and I, and our family have a child that we sponsor. And we were so thankful for years, years past, we had uh, sponsored a child from compassion international. And then when our child from compassion reached uh, their full graduating age, uh, we decided to go in to sponsor a child through covenant mercies and, uh, we're on our second child now, I believe, through Covenant Mercies. We're so thankful to be able to do that. And um, there's opportunity to to look at the children in the back, and I'm looking forward to you being able to do that. If I'm not mistaken, they can't take just take the card and think about it for later. They have to basically, if you take a card, you're agreeing to sponsor that child. Uh, so please uh, make note of that, those uh those copies there are for someone who's going to sponsor the child. If you need to pray about it some more before sponsoring a child, you can look at the website and you'll see other children that you can have the possibility of sponsoring. And there's other projects to give to, like the school as well. Church, you are such a generous church. I think of all that we're doing. We have our building fund. We have our Croatia mission fund with our church plant that we're helping to continue to provide for. Opportunities like this also abound. Um Thank you so much for your faithful giving to our local church and your tithes and offerings and also your faithful giving of offerings to worthy causes like this in the gospel. I'm so grateful for your generosity. Like uh, Doug reminded us from Luke 14 today, there's nothing more worthy of our financial investment than into the kingdom of God where we will be rewarded for our contributions to God's church and the building up of God's church, but also worthy opportunities to give to those who cannot repay. Uh, I was so thankful for that reminder and, and expecting nothing in return. I love that principle of when we give as Christians, we are to, whether we're giving our time and effort to somebody or whether we're giving our money, 
our mindset as Christians is to expect nothing in return, but to do everything for Jesus who he went all in for us. And um, he didn't get anything in return except he's gotten, uh, he's washed clean, filthy sinners who he has saved by his grace. And now he has transformed us into servants that love to serve him. But there's no way we could ever pay God back with our lives like Doug mentioned. And we don't serve and we don't give to pay God back because we could never pay him back for what he's done in shedding his blood on the cross. And so church let us give and let us be a church that ever increases in just being generous in our giving to the kingdom, remembering that our reward in heaven will be great. And church, thank you so much for already being so generous. I really give thanks to God for each and every one of you and love serving Jesus together with you in our church. Let's pray for God to bless um, Covenant Mercies and bless Doug as he continues to serve as we close. God, thanks so much for this opportunity just to uh, reflect on the way that all over the world your gospel is bearing fruit and growing. Lord, we thank you so much for just the work of the gospel in Uganda and in Zambia. Lord, we thank you so much for Ethiopia and the way the gospel is going forward there. Thank you for uh, just our partnership in a way that we're able to partner together with our sister churches in a way that makes a difference, not just locally here or regionally here in the United States, but also, Lord, touching the lives of little children and men and women in Africa and and elsewhere. Lord, we are so thankful for the joy of being able to partner together in such a way. Lord, I pray that you would increase, Lord, the fruitfulness in the days ahead. Use uh, Doug, Lord, to continue to be a blessing to even new countries in Africa and even new areas around the world and new continents even as time goes on. Lord, we ask that you would do exceedingly abundantly more than all we ask or imagine. And thank you for this opportunity to play our small part in the world's redemption and in the care of widows and orphans, Lord. We ask that you would just bless us abundantly as we step forward in faith to give generously for your cause. We love you, and we're so grateful for the way you have laid down your life to die and save us. Lord, we are so grateful for what you've done, and we give you all the glory for every good thing that you are doing in and through us, Lord. It's not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, and have a wonderful week, and enjoy looking at the good work that the Lord's doing through Covenant Mercies in the back, and I'm looking forward to getting to meet Doug and getting to know him some more. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.